ask yourself in three years time, would I like to be the best connected or the most connected? Most entrepreneurs don't want to make a choice. They want to have both quality and quantity. The trouble with that is that they're both mutually exclusive. If you want to grow your network, it means you'll no longer know the 20,000 people you're going to connect with. You cannot have a meaningful relationship with 30,000 people. You don't have real exposure and you polluted the quality of your network because you wanted to have it both ways. You wanted trust and you wanted exposure. If you have trust, you can't have many connections. If you want exposure, you can't know them well. Most business owners and entrepreneurs are secretly sick of hustling. And if you are too, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast with me, Mickey Anderson, where we're revolutionizing success because you should have it all. Business success, lasting wealth, freedom, and fulfillment. Join me on this quest to uncover the keys to defining and achieving success on our terms so we can all hustle less and profit more. Daniel Alfon is the author of Build a LinkedIn Profile for Business Success. Since opening his LinkedIn account in early 2004, Daniel's helped thousands of entrepreneurs and consultants grow their business using LinkedIn. In this episode, we debunk the myth that you need to be trendy and get lots of exposure to be successful on LinkedIn. And we teach you how to get the leads you need and increase revenue in an authentic and organic way. Enjoy. I would love to know how you transformed your LinkedIn profile into your entire business strategy, because I saw that you began your LinkedIn platform a long time ago, and now you've helped thousands of people turn it into a revenue-generating machine. Tell me, how did this happen? Pleasure, Mickey. I'm very uh, glad to be part of the Hustle Profit More. Um, I simply bumped into LinkedIn. Okay, would, there's no hero story there. It was uh, intriguing because the person who sent me the invitation was someone I valued and I trusted them. So I did, decided to give it a shot and to try and play with it. And that was uh, in 2004. And two years later, I had a sales job. I was with, with I was carrying a quota and it didn't start really well. It was a real disaster until one evening I saw LinkedIn suggesting one person I could uh, contact. And that enabled me to simply to cut my sales cycle by at least 30%. And that's when I became interested. And gradually I helped friends and those friends asked me to train their, uh, their, their staff. And, and then I decided to specialize in, in LinkedIn and, and I'm glad I did. I got really self-conscious about my LinkedIn profile when we first booked this interview. <laughs> I was like, oh no, now I have to fix my own LinkedIn profile. That is definitely lacking, but I'm going to take this as an opportunity to not be too hard on myself. But the thing that I loved was in your profile, your about says, when I bleed, I bleed LinkedIn. And I started <laughs> chuckling so hard. And I just, I have to know because our audience have so many different platforms they're trying to manage. Why LinkedIn? It's a great question. And I'll start by answering, you don't necessarily have to be on LinkedIn. If you do, Mickey, I suggest you do it well. Mm. Okay. So let's, let's ask a couple of simple questions. 
our audience here, when they run a Google search for their own full name, LinkedIn will usually be the top of the list. That's reason number one. So when, whenever your prospects or your partners are Googling you, then they see LinkedIn. And it makes sense for you to own it and to manage it well, and not to let LinkedIn or someone else manage it. However, that doesn't mean that you need to be 24 seven on the platform. Building a decent profile could take you maybe a couple of hours. Okay. If you're really starting from scratch, but that's it. You don't need to, you can review it every couple of months. You can maybe revamp it every two years, but it, it's not a, an important effort on a daily basis. So just make sure that your profile looks interesting and relevant to a prospect. Simplest way to, to do this was to ask yourself, who's your ideal reader on LinkedIn? It could be your next client. If you're looking for talents, then it would be the person you'd like to hire. And if you're looking for a new job, it would be the next hiring manager. Okay. You can tweak this around, but deciding who your ideal reader is, is a good start. Since you hit record. A thousand people have joined LinkedIn, two people sign up every second. We were close to 1 billion members. The first question was to try and identify your ideal reader. So that's a suggestion I would make for anyone listening, simply define who your ideal reader is. So let's make it as easy as possible for anyone who visits your LinkedIn profile to discover your websites. And what you could do now in the description is add a sentence or like 10 to 15 words that would make it real interesting for people to go and discover your website. And this ladies and gentlemen should not take you more than two minutes. Okay. Pasting the link and adding a call to action or, or a reason to visit the website should not take that much. And the difference now is that when someone visits your profile and, and they scroll, then the first meaningful information they see is your website. Love it. That's something that's easily, easily done. So question number one, who is your ideal reader? Question number two, what action would you like those people to perform? Some listeners may say, I want them to uh, go and, and schedule a discovery call, or I would like them to download this content, or I would like them to watch some video, I would like them to do something else. You decide. And the last question is, are we making it as easy as possible for anyone discovering our profile within five seconds to understand this is the place to go? I do have a question in terms of overall LinkedIn strategy, because most people hear online that there are these different strategies they should have for different platforms. There's their Instagram strategy, their growth strategy, their Facebook strategy. Is LinkedIn a different strategy than the other social platforms? It could be. It depends on what you're doing on, on uh, the other uh, social channels. Let's, uh, let's help our listeners and our audience. Okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have to share often on LinkedIn. Okay. That's one way you can gain exposure, but for most people that don't have 30,000 connections, it doesn't make sense for them to share a lot. Simply because a lot of our network will not see the things that we share. Let's imagine that maybe 2% will discover it. Okay. So if we have 200 connections that boils down to four people, if we have 2000 connections, it will be 40 people. It's not a lot. If you have an important message to, to you'd like to share with two or three people, the VIP circle or people that really are interesting because you're pivoting from uh, one thing to another, 
then identifying those people thanks to LinkedIn and then leaving the platform and communicating with them, it makes a lot more sense than trying to spam your network and, and, and share three, three times a week. No one will see it and people will become blind to the content you're sharing. So we don't have to. I love that. And I think it just kind of brings it back to the simplicity of those first three questions that you asked, right? Who is your audience? What do you want them to do? Or what do you want to do with them? And how easy can you make it? Yeah, you, you phrase it better than, uh, than I did. And, and in some cases, our connections are not really our audience. Because you may have connected with them, you know, three, three years ago or, or five years ago. It doesn't mean that they're interested in what you have to offer. It could be simply people who could refer you to potential clients because they know that you're a professional. So, so we don't have to shove content down their throat. It doesn't necessarily make sense. That's so refreshing to hear. There's something that you say that I want to dig into a little bit before we move forward, and it's it's about your profile specifically. And you say not to set your profile up like a CV, uh, but to set it up more like a website. And I'd love to hear more about that. When you're in business and when you're an entrepreneur, a micro entrepreneur, a solopreneur, then the objective should not be to find a job. The objective should be to grow your business. And a misconception, one of the many misconceptions that LinkedIn has is that because it was used or it is used as a CV repository, if you like, then many entrepreneurs go to LinkedIn and say, okay, so I should use it like a, a CV website. No, you don't. If you're looking for your next position as an employee, then it makes sense. But if you're not interested in working for someone else, then the, the, the easiest thing to do would be to consider your LinkedIn profile as a website that needs to convert your ideal reader into performing the action you'd like them to perform. I love that. Now, I want to talk about the headline because as a writer, headlines are so important. 80% of people just read the headline. And so tell me how we can use our headline to get more qualified leads on our page and reading our content. I think the, the, our profile headline is the most important real estate we have on our profile. And the reason is exactly what you said. Many people, most people will see the headline and based on the headline, they're going to decide, do I click here? Do I tap here? Do I scroll or do I move to, to, to some, to some other search results? And to, to, to illustrate this, I'd like to draw attention to one of the three ways people are going to discover your profile. The most difficult way is when someone runs a search and they have 300 results, if we're lucky. That each second they spend on your profile, they have a, a bulb saying, hey, you're missing on 200 other people there. Maybe they're better. So we need to really grab their attention. And the easiest way to, to do that is by building a headline that makes them curious and want to learn more. The default would be our current position and the name of our company. Okay. Now it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's, it's not what would make most people want to discover what is it that you do. Try to show and not to tell. What way could you write a headline that would make people intrigued about discovering you? In some cases, you need to work on the uh, fear of missing out on FOMO. Because if I, if I have 300 results 
then it's not enough to say even copywriter or specialist or whatever. Take it as a serious exercise. Try to build the best headline that you can. I'm going to share with you a cheat sheet that I wrote that could help get the ball rolling and open your eyes to, to some uh, good examples and bad examples so you can make your headline work for you. It kind of leads into the next question that I have for you about your individual profile versus your business profile. For our listeners, how do we determine which one should we be using? With pleasure, for 90, 99% of our listeners, their individual profile is way more important, Mickey, than mm. our page. And that's one of the weird things about LinkedIn, because if you're using other platforms, then that's not necessarily the case. But if you're a solopreneur, if you started that and you employ less than 5,000 people, then your page, your company page is not really important. It's static. So forget about the page. Make sure it, it's, it's uh, you know, every six months, have a look at it. But the daily marketing activities and the lead generation and the content sharing should be used thanks to your individual profile another page because no one will see that page whereas your profile is going to have lots and lots of views good advice when it comes to building your profile so setting yourself up for success on that individual profile what can we do to make sure that we are making the most of this real estate that we've got on linkedin there are a number of, of ways to do this one is to simply think about the keywords that people are going to use when looking for someone with your skill set. Yeah. And, and in, in many cases, because you know so much about the services that you offer, the terms you would intuitively use are not necessarily the ones that your audience are likely to use. Yeah. So if, if we could suggest something, it would simply be to ask a number of potential clients for the terms they would use when looking for someone with your capabilities. I'd aim for say 40 terms. Then you go back to your profile and you check which of those 40 terms is present somewhere in your profile and which aren't. And my guess is even if you, your profile, it looks really good. You probably have 10, 15, 20, but you'll find another five or 10 terms that are nowhere on your profile. And the most important thing to remember is that whenever someone runs a LinkedIn search, then LinkedIn in, is able to index everything from your headline to the uh, about section, to the experience section and to the skills and everything else. So if you could, if we imagine a funnel that you translate into LinkedIn, the keywords would be on top because some of the people who may use your services may still find too many people. So naturally they would add a second term and a third term, there may be website, maybe newsletter, maybe app, maybe something else, but you see where we're getting, you, you are able to build a list of, of 40 terms and then visit your website. And for the ones that are not there. Ask yourself, okay, out of those 20 terms, what's the top term that I need to insert somewhere naturally in my profile today? If you don't have time, do, do just one, one term. If you have a bit more time, maybe you could pick three. One way to do this would be simply to write 
one decent sentence that incorporates all three terms and that you can say in a natural way. Because there are two algorithms here. One is the LinkedIn algorithm, whether you use that term or not. But the most important algorithm is the eye, are the eyes of the reader. Can they imagine you saying that sentence or does it seem weird? A lot of times we hear SEO and strategic keywords and you think like you have to try and shove them or jam them wherever you can. But what's more important is always going to be the reader for sure. All right. So we've set up our profile. We've got a great headline, a profile banner, caught what they want to do at the top, that feature or that link. How do we get people to find us? Aside from the old search of keywords, how do we connect and start to grow our LinkedIn following or our connections? So usually you'd have some real life network, okay? People you've worked with, people you studied with, maybe 20 people, maybe 200 people, maybe 2000 people, but you have a real life network. And out of that real life network, some people are on LinkedIn, okay? So my advice would be to start with only with people, you know, well, people you, when you see their name, you recognize them, start with those. It doesn't matter if it's five people or 50 people, because if you stick to people, you know, well, it means that when you run an event search and you see someone interesting and you and that person share at least one mutual connection, you have the ability to reach out to that person outside of LinkedIn, outside of LinkedIn and ask them if they feel comfortable enough making the introduction and if they know that person well enough. And whenever they say yes, it gives you the opportunity to have a meaningful conversation with someone you could have, you could have, if you send them a cold message, chances of you having a meaningful conversation are much slimmer. I think people, I know I did at first too, you underuse and undervalue your personal network. And your professional network, especially when you're growing your business, right? We forget that our family and our colleagues and our friends, they want to see us succeed too. So why not take them up on that and offer and use them? Now, what are the benefits to connecting with people we don't really know, growing our network, um, you know, trying to drive this LinkedIn profile as much as possible? You mentioned uh, LinkedIn strategies earlier, so I'd like to, to yeah. mention one particular strategy, and that should be your connection strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, most people uh, hearing this will say, okay, I don't really have a connection strategy. Maybe I should think of one. So let, let's suggest two or three ways to build your, your network so, so everyone can pick the one that, that's best for them. The most important thing to remember is to ask yourself in three years time, would I like to be the best connected or would I like to be the most connected? Either or best connected or most connected. Why is that? Because most entrepreneurs and most service providers don't want to make a choice. They want to have both quality and quantity. The trouble with, with that Mickey is that they're both mutually exclusive. If you want to grow your network, it means you'll no longer know the 20,000 people you're going to connect with. You cannot have a meaningful uh, relationship with 30,000 people, no matter how bright you are. So the worst thing to do 
would be to try and have it both because you will end up with very little quality and not enough quantity. Why is that? Because let's say that maybe 2% of people are going to see what you shared. Say I had 300 connections. When I shared something, obviously only six people saw it. Why does it make sense to connect only with people you know, even though it's not a lot? Because of what we said two minutes ago. You share a mutual connection, you can reach out to that person. And in our business, referrals is one great way to grow our business. It's not the only one, but that's, that's worked for a lot of entrepreneurs. The second way to do it would be to have a very large following. And in terms of LinkedIn, very large equals 30,000 connections at least. Okay. Because if you have 30K connections and you share something, then those 2% become 600 people. That's a sizable amount. Many people will see that and maybe engage. The worst thing to do would be to start with people you know well, and then hear someone say, okay, why don't you grow your network and have more people? And then you would grow your network tenfold. You'd have, instead of 300, you'd have 3000 connections. And at the end of the day, you only added 54 new eyeballs. It doesn't make sense. It would be a lot easier simply to message 54 people. Because what has happened here is that you don't have real exposure and you polluted the quality of your network because you wanted to have it both ways. You wanted trust and you wanted exposure. If you have trust, you can't have many connections. If you want exposure, you can't know them well. And if you're trying to play it safe, you end up losing on both counts. Don't do that. Ask yourself, would I like to be the best connected or most connected? And don't veer, don't change. I never thought of it that way. Let me ask you an embarrassing question that would actually help us. Yes, do it. Before, schedule, before scheduling this call, yeah. how often would you go to LinkedIn? Well, probably once a week. Okay. So let's say that many service providers and many solopreneurs are, are visiting LinkedIn once a week. What are, the, what are their chances of discovering something you shared if they have 80 connections or 200 connections? It's really nearly zero because no one would go and scroll in their feed on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, people do something else. They don't scroll through the feed. So that's not a good way to get exposure for, for your content. It, it's not the only way to, to do it. And if most people are not visiting LinkedIn on a daily basis, then it's not that they don't want to see your content. It's that, it's that chances are there's going to be a real life trigger. Okay. You sent an invitation to someone, they're going to visit your LinkedIn profile and decide whether they like to accept or not. You have a very important meeting coming up. They'll Google the person, they'll check them on LinkedIn, but then they're off to something else. So the good news for our audience here is that they don't have to be on LinkedIn 24 seven. They don't have to share five times a day. They don't have to do it. They don't have to work a lot on LinkedIn, but when they do, it needs to count. I love the way you said, don't pollute your network. There's a kind of another way that we could say it is to don't pollute the quality of your brand by just going for quantity over quality, because it can That's be very it. damaging. The bottom line is you don't have to share, to share a lot because what happens is that most people don't expect you to share too much on LinkedIn or too often. Yeah. And if you share too much and they feel you're uh, hijacking their feed, they're going to be 
even less engaged, they may disconnect or unfollow you. So simply make sure that the last action, the latest action you, you, you publicly performed on LinkedIn is of high quality. And if that's once a quarter, that's fine. There were quarters I haven't shared anything on LinkedIn. And 90% of my revenues are based on LinkedIn. You don't have to do that. When you have something meaningful that is relevant for your connections, do it. But if you don't, there are many other ways to grow your business without trying to find something to share and stand out from the crowd. There's no crowd there. What a relief. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, LinkedIn is really only if you're in the B2B space. If your business isn't B2B, then LinkedIn isn't the place for you. Is that true? There's a grain of truth in there. Perhaps what we could say is this. If your B2C business has some B2B element, then it makes sense to emphasize that B2B element on LinkedIn. So say, if I worked for Hershey, then I wouldn't go and just post packages of, of, of chocolates. What I could do is remember that people are on LinkedIn are working in companies. So maybe what I could do is find all sorts of content about happy hour and meetings and boardrooms and sales events where people will consume that sort of content, but the, the landscape will not be nature and the Rocky Mountains. It will be the boardroom. Another example, if you're a, a professional photographer, then it doesn't make sense to say, I do weddings because no, very few people will check the LinkedIn for a professional photographer for that. But companies are interested in getting their pictures taken for company events or for launches, or even for you to launch and grow their visual channels, their Instagram. So maybe 90% of your business is only wedding photography, but if 10% is helping companies leverage Instagram, that's what you should do on LinkedIn. And it, that could even mean that it, within 10% of your time, you'll have a third of your revenues. Because companies who are, who will check you out and, and decide that they want to work with you, that, that there will be no proportion between the amount of, of time you, you're doing it in real life and the contracts you could, you could gain from leveraging this on LinkedIn. So if there is a B2B, B2B element, try to cater to that. I think that's such amazing advice. There's something that you mentioned earlier that I want to ask about a little bit more. You mentioned that people don't typically scroll on their feed a lot uh, and they use LinkedIn differently than they would a typical social media platform. Is there anything else we should know about the way people use their LinkedIn that could help us just be better on the platform? Does it count if I say just forget every other platform? <laughs> I'll take it. That's <laughs> um, what I would say. A more serious tone is that LinkedIn has people visiting LinkedIn a lot when they need LinkedIn and then forgetting about it for a lot of time. And that's something that doesn't necessarily happen on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok. Okay. It doesn't happen, but for, it, it, many people signed up for LinkedIn five years ago, 10 years ago, there were times when they were looking for clients or when they were looking for a new job and, and then there would be 24 seven on LinkedIn. But the minute they land that new client or start a new position, they tend wrongly to forget about LinkedIn 
Whereas what they should remember is that they don't have to use LinkedIn often, but they do need to try and stay in touch with their network. And staying in touch with their networks could take as little as five minutes a week. Okay, if you have five minutes a week, you can go to your notifications and you'll see two people, two of your connections. One of them has a birthday and the second one has started a new position. Reaching out to them, not using the cut and paste quick cutter tip, but actually leaving LinkedIn and sending them a message or giving them a phone call or do whatever it takes would help you nurture your relationships with them. And maybe in six months or two years, you will need their help because going back to what we said earlier, if we want to ask them to, for help, no one likes it when we only remember them when we need them. Mm. So try to be there for them when you don't need anything from them and it's not time consuming. And that's another reason to be consistent, even five minutes a week will enable you to see two people and message them or do something. Whereas if you get, if you forget about LinkedIn for six months and then you're spending two days, it no longer makes sense. So, so instead of just using LinkedIn for many hours and then forgetting about it, if we can commit to anything from five minutes a week to something else, it will mean we'll get a much better ROI then forgetting about it, because when we remember it for the wrong reason and we have a problem, it will take us a lot more time, a lot more effort with less results. I want to make sure I've got this right, because to me right now, this conversation has completely flipped my perception of LinkedIn and the way that I plan to use it moving forward. So I thank you for that. <laughs> but, it, but it definitely feels now to me more like LinkedIn is kind of like the Rolodex. Um, that I can use to connect with people, but it's not necessarily like a social platform where I would use the platform itself to do the connecting per se, but it's how I can create a profile that's captivating, but more so find people and then get off the platform and call and connect. Did I get that right? That's a great way to, to do it. Yes. And, and the general advice will be to find the system that would work for you. Okay. You don't have to copy uh, your system or mine. You have to, to listen to it and tweak it so that it makes sense for you. And if you have a system, you're much better off than most LinkedIn users. They always be testing ABT. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I want to ask you one final question. If you could give small business owners like myself who are trying to stop hustling so much, trying to stop doing so much work and really starting to benefit from all of this marketing and work. What's one piece of advice, one thing that you would tell us to go do right now when it comes to LinkedIn? I was listening to an episode you had with RJ Greenshaw with yeah. this definition of R&D, repuff and duplicate. So, so pick one thing that we've discussed and try to do it. I'll, I'll suggest something we haven't covered. Okay. If two small and medium uh, sized business owners are listening to this and they would simply look each other up on the LinkedIn app and say what they're thinking when they visit your profile, it would make a lot of sense. Because like you said, you, you haven't visited your own profile on a regular basis. And it, it's worse because in some cases, what you see on your profile is not what other people see. So simply exchanging five minutes with someone who would look you up and say, okay, I can't see your photo. And you would say, yes, it is there. 
But what counts is not what's on our laptop or our device. It's what those people see. So you understand your photo is not showing. You go to LinkedIn, you tweak your privacy so everyone can at least see your photo. Or the person asks you, okay, but when I click here, it goes to a dead link. So what happened to you? And you thank them very much and you correct that link. And you help them by looking at their profile and suggesting ways for them to just share with them your thoughts. Very few people do it. It doesn't take more than a couple of minutes. It could turn around the way you think about the platform. Oh, what great advice. And I could so think of a couple of clients who I'm literally going to message after this and say, hey, you spare me five minutes and go to my LinkedIn profile and tell me what stands out or what feels wrong or off. Now, Daniel, where can our audience come to find you? Pleasure. The best uh, thing to do would be simply to visit my website. That's danielalfon.com, Daniel, then A-L-F-O-N. And there are all sorts of content and articles and, and a whole store there. And I was, um, I was looking forward to, to our chat and I, and I like it. And, and one th last piece of advice I would give people, when you look at Mickey Anderson's uh, LinkedIn profile, look at the link and it says, Hey, Mickey Anderson. Now, maybe it's taking you five minutes to tweak it, but it's a lot better than trying to have everyone look for the Mickey Anderson and decide whether that's the right person or not. So you can tweak it easily and your handle is great. It's consistent with uh, your other uh, platforms. And that's a great, simple way, really simple to, to stand out and to be consistent and, and on brand. We're soaking up so much value today. I thank you so much. I am so excited now to go and completely redo my LinkedIn profile. And I'm sure everyone listening today is too. So thank you so much for everything, Daniel. Thank you. Hustle less, profit more is what I wish everyone else. Thank you for joining me in another episode of the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast. Thanks to our season one sponsor, Asteri Pursuit Marketing and Communications. You can find show notes and resources at hustlelessprofitmorepodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us where you get your podcasts. Join us again next time to uncover more of the keys to achieving success, wealth, fulfillment, and freedom. Thanks for listening.